0: <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up, Father. We love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the fellowship we have in Christ. We thank you, God that we can come together, and uh, where two or three are gathered, God, you're here with us in a way you're. We don't have by ourselves, and so Lord, we can lift up the requests we have, and it's not just me praying for my brother. It's 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 Paul and Terrence and I gathered together in Jesus' name, lifting up my brother and asking, Lord, for you to intervene. Lord, what, for all these things that we lift up to you, God, thank you for what you've given us in terms of the body of Christ. Thank you, God, that you could take someone like like me, Lord, and just I get to be a part of your plan and what you're doing. Lord, what a beautiful thing you've done for us and what you've given us. Help us, Lord, not despise it. God, there's so many people who who can't be here, and I know they would if they could, but they're traveling, or they've had death in the family, or they're sick, and and they just can't be here. Uh, They've got people visiting or whatever, and Lord, we know things like that happen. We ask for your hand of blessing upon those people who couldn't be here, who aren't going to get prayed for, like we just got prayed for. Lord, we pray for them now. God, they're not going to hear the word preached we heard and we're here again. So father, would you please just speak to them and draw them to yourself? God, I pray for people who might be kind of on the fringe and they just, they're, they're, they're going through it. Lord, I just pray you draw them back to us Lord, let us all love one another with the love that we have in Christ and encourage one another. God, we all need it. And and it's here. If we're wise, um, Lord, I pray for the Bible study, the men's Bible study tomorrow night, that, that Ricky, God, that he he would see he's loved and that your word is is fathomless, but it's awesome. And what we see in it, it shows us who you are and who we are. I just pray, Lord, you'd continue to win through us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Do you guys see Maggie and Stephanie get baptized in first service? How cool was that? Super cool. Yeah. A baptism is such a beautiful picture. So uh, I think that was church wide, yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's review real quick. Last week, so so open your Bible. Okay. In Ruth chapter four, we saw the Um, there was a nearer kinsman than Boaz who had a chance to redeem Naomi and Ruth, right? You guys remember that? What we saw last week was to be a redeemer costs something, okay? So the kinsman, remember? I don't know. I'm just going to pretend like you were here. If you weren't here, then, then that's okay. The kinsman said last week, I cannot redeem it. Talking about that land for myself, lest I mar my own things. Listen, I can't mess up what I already have. Trying to buy back something that's that that's going to belong to someone else. Redeem thou my right to thyself. I cannot redeem it. So every word of God is pure. He's a shield them that put them. like, as we study out Scripture there's a there's a thing that jumps out at us here i myself i mine okay so we looked at this last week this this idea of possessing things my precious my car my house my like my money and this whole weird idea and where did that that start well it started with lucifer who said In his heart, what did he say? I will ascend. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. So in other words, he's not content to just have a throne. He's got to have a throne above, like he wants to exalt himself. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, Lucifer said. All those famous five eyes out of Isaiah 14. Now, then we looked at Genesis chapter three, the temptation, the serpent, who we know is Satan who fell, the dragon, Satan, the the Leviathan, the dragon. We, we know he's, he said, in the day you eat of the fruit that God told you not to eat of, ye shall be as gods. Elohim, in the beginning God, that kind of God? No, this kind of God. Okay, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if our gospel's hid, okay, if people can't see the gospel, then it's hid to those that are lost, in whom the God of this, that's the kind of God. Okay, now, the God of, world that is the prince of the power of the air that's talking about the devil now we know god is in charge but right now when adam and eve sinned they gave dominion to the fallen serpent to to satan and then here's what happened in romans chapter 5 12 we read about it you and i inherited a sinful fallen nature that's why sometimes you know it's wrong and you do it anyway because we are, the, the fallen human race has a rebellious streak to it, okay? One man sinned into of the world, then by sin, death has passed upon all of us. Why? Well, because we all have that natural tendency to at some point and some fell against God, okay? Because we've all sinned there. This is why we need to separate from the world. We need to say, you know what? I'm clearing off the throne of my heart. It's not going to be stuff and possessions and me and mine that's going to reign on the throne of my heart. Only the Lord belongs there. And all these other things, if God wants to give them to me for a blessing, well, then praise the Lord. But it's going to be something that I demand. Okay, I'm going to say, like Paul, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself. God forbid that I should glory like Lucifer. Okay, I can be as a God. No, 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 God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to be like Colossians 3. I, state your name, am dead, and my life is hid with Christ and God. In other words, whatever I could and should and would claim as a member of the human race, that's my right. I demand that you treat me right. to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many, Mark 10.45. Our life, we're dead in God. So what, what we saw, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Be a reconciler cost us something. So what we saw last week, to be a redeemer cost something, and the nearer kinsman couldn't pay that cost because it would mess up his inheritance. Okay. We, if we're going to be reconcilers, it's going to cost us something. What's it going to cost us? It's going to cost us our place in this world, my rights, me, mine. I have to be willing to lay down my life that others may live. I have to be willing to be charitable. And here's probably the best way to say it is we must decrease and he must increase. People need to see less of Patrick. No offense. I'm just, you're in the front row. Okay. People need to see less of Patrick. They need to see more of Christ. Have you ever had someone tell you, man, you Christians all like, has anyone told you that? Why is that? Because eventually we all start to look and sound like Jesus. We all start to look and sound. People see Christ in us. So that's a good thing question from last week am I willing to die to self that others may live that Christ may live through me or another way to say it this will be in discipleship lesson what um money and possessions which one is that like 13 14 15 in there somewhere anyway <clears throat> am I willing to become a steward and in- of my life and things like can I just manage my life for his glory without getting all caught up in possessiveness? It's another way to, to ask that same question. So that was last week. This week, though, we're in Ruth 4, okay, 14 through through 17. We're wrapping up, you guys. We're, we're going to be in Ruth another couple weeks, and then we're going to move on. I think we're going to do an Israel series. So we'll just do a few weeks on current events of of what the bible says about end times so we'll spend some time doing that because what in the world you guys it's like the pages of scripture just like all the world leaders getting together and they're like okay let's see turkey and russia and iran are supposed to form a consortium against israel and then like it's all just happening so we'll spend like does that sound interesting we do some of that okay All right, but but now we're, look at verses Ruth. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became a nurse of it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed, and he is the father of the yeah, father of David. Okay, so here we have... The happily ever after portion of the book of Ruth. And so this book starts with Ruth in Moab, a widow, desolate, without much hope. Now she's just Ruth's story. The name of the book is Ruth. So if we look at Ruth's story, that's where she starts out, and she ends up married to Boaz, the the guy's loaded, like he's super rich, a mighty man of wealth, and they have a child together, so so it's like a Hallmark movie, so maybe you guys can help me out, Um I'm trying to remember the name of the Hallmark movie, it's a really good story, she, she's this gal left home uh, several years before, and she was very successful at the highfalutin job, and in- she came back to her small town remember it, came back USA hometown for thanksgiving and then oh no their family business was failing It was it was horrible and then and then they needed her to stay and help fix the, the failing business and so she had to stay longer than planned like maybe till christmas like uh, what what are the odds of that Successful and attractive uh, business woman. She runs into the brother of one of her friends from. Uh-huh. He was just a little kid back then, but now he's grown up. Now he's a hunky lumberjack or something. And, and, uh, and this lady, they, they didn't really like each other at first, but they had to work together. To, you know, save the business. And everyone else saw there was chemistry there, but they just annoyed each other. But as they were, they ended up with a playful snowball fight in the city square. And then they both realized, oh my goodness, we like each other. And then they kissed and she said, wanted all along and then they're standing in front of the Christmas tree in front of the business that they saved on Christmas Day. Like, you remember the name of that Hallmark movie? Every Hallmark, yes, exactly. Every single Hallmark movie is exactly the same. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so so why do we keep watching? Now I don't let Christine watch them because those guys are always way better looking than I am, mm. and I just I, I'm too insecure. I, she can't. Yeah, I'm not because we're on our phones and we have to. Our wives make us. Because it's a love story. Okay, that's your first blank. By the way, is love story. Ruth's story is a love story. Okay, so I want to look at at this just we we're kind of wrapping it up and I just want to look at the story of Ruth as it's presented in the Bible now I have turned it into 30 sermons okay but it's really a love story and I and I just I feel like we need to look at that so Ruth's storyline with Boaz you know so so let's look at Ruth and how how she connected with Boaz. So so to begin with, Ruth was separated. Okay, she was out there and in, in Moab. But then, if you remember, okay, she said to Naomi, because Orpah went back home. She said, This is famous verses in Ruth. Some of you have this up on your wall. Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord does do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Now, Boaz later kind of described Ruth's decision to to follow after the God of Israel this way. He said, "Um, the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. So what happened is Ruth went actually from being a Moabite to being a proselyte Jew. So we'll put um, Boaz, and then, and then there's some other people here with him. There's there's some Jews, and they're all over here. And then, but Ruth, what happened was she became a follower of the God of Israel, and we read about that in Ruth. Chapter 1, 16 and 17 is also described in in Ruth 2, 12. So Ruth has now moved from being separate from God's people, the covenants of God, and now she's been brought near. She's she's here connected with the people of God. At least she's there. At least she's there in Bethlehem, right? And that's Ruth chapter 1, Is, is Ruth going from far to near. In Ruth chapter 2 we saw that Ruth went and labored in the fields, right? So in Ruth chapter 2, she kind of connects with them here. So Ruth 2.23 summarizes it. She was there with them through the whole harvest. Now, now in terms of Boaz, okay, Boaz was a stranger at first they wouldn't have known each other, didn't recognize each other, had been introduced. But as Ruth worked in the field, Boaz became an acquaintance. Now, when we talk about an acquaintance, we generally use that word wrong. When we say an acquaintance, we mean it's someone who I, I know and recognize, but I don't really know him. Literally, Someone you're acquainted with. Like I do kind of know them. Like I've gotten used to them a little bit. Okay. So Ruth and Boaz, like they talked. They got, he helped provide for her, right? As she in the field, Boaz went from being a stranger, being an acquaintance. Okay. But then that's not the end of the story because in Ruth three, three through five, Naomi tells Ruth. Something kind of weird. Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee. We we see some pictures in there, don't we? Okay. And get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until he shall be done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he, when Boaz lies down, thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. Thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what to do. Go get yourself all go lie down and do whatever you're told. Wow. Really? Like she's come from a different culture. uh, And and here's what her response. Okay, I'll do it. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. So so Ruth then, Ruth 3, 3 through 5, Boaz lies down, There's a big grain, a harvest. Uh, Here's his grain. And then she just lies down here at his feet, willing to do whatever he says. Now, at that point, um, at that point, things change a little bit, doesn't it? Boaz says, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requires. I will take care of it. You, you will have a redeemer. It may be me, it may be another guy. Like, you may be having me. Oh, it might be some other guy you've never met. You're going to be married to, and but don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Just lie down and go to sleep and wait till morning. Could you sleep? No, but, but anyway, he said, I will do all that that requires. So in other words, I'll take care of it. You don't have to worry about it. So, so in Ruth three eleven, now all of a sudden Ruth, this guy who was a stranger, was an acquaintance, now becomes provider, right? Like he's going to take care of it. And then we know that that he actually be his her redeemer. But that's not all, because in Rule 4, 4, uh, thirteen, we end up here, husband and wife, okay? I don't know if you've, if you're married, if you've been married, whatever. Married, you have a companion. So for good and bad, you have a partner you're going to do life with, okay? You're no longer doing life alone. You're now doing life with a companion. So here's this hallmark story of Ruth who met this stranger, drew near to him in the field. Okay, He became an acquaintance. Then she basically surrendered her will to his will. I'll do whatever you say. He became provider and eventually husband. Okay, so that's the, that's the hallmark story, and those are the different steps that took place in that. Now, here's where it gets interesting for us, because Ruth's story is our story. Okay, that's what goes in the blank. Ruth's story is our story. And then the next blank is it's an allegory. Okay, so an allegory isn't a fable. It's not just a picture or a type. It's actually a real story. Okay? People, but it's also, or it represents, it's symbolic of something else. And we could see this clearly. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2, let's look at a couple things. here. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. This is an allegory for church. Ephesians 2, verse 12. At that time, ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. That's right here. Ephesians 2, 12. But ye who were far off are now made nigh by the blood of Christ. Look at that. She was far off. Now she's made nigh. So here's a picture of the church. It goes on, verse 19. Because these two different parts become one. Now, ye therefore, uh, now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow household of God. Ruth is now like part of it. Ephesians two nineteen. But you're not believing me. Okay, I, I can tell you're just like putting up with what I'm saying. Look at Ephesians five. Look at Ephesians five verse thirty two. Are you guys familiar with Ephesians 5, husband and wife verses? Look at verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. But Paul was just telling wives to submit to their husbands and tell husbands to love their wives. And we spend all our marriage conferences working through what that means. And we spend our entire lives trying to figure out how to do that. And then Paul's like, I'm really not talking about you and your wife. I'm talking about Christ and the church. It's a mystery. Why? Because this is a picture of Christ and the church. Study that out on your own. You can see that. It's a super cool picture. So this is an allegory. It pictures not just Ruth and Boaz, but it's Christ and the church. Now, wait a minute. Stop. Time out. Because what are we talking about? We're talking about a Hallmark story. And you just keep watching iterations of the same thing. theme stays the same. And it's just different characters, different lumberjacks, different business executives. It's the same story. Why? Because it's like the greatest story ever. And this is the story of Christ and the church. Okay, but that's not all. It's also your story individually. And I wonder about these these people that just watch Hallmark movies and pine away in their living rooms watching that they had that when really it's not that you need a lumberjack or a business executive to come back into your life. What you really need is to understand we're talking about a spiritual picture with us. And so, so, okay. Your story with the Lord Jesus Christ is not a story of you getting your act together. Do better, try harder, get your act together, because, I mean, there's just a lot of things wrong with you, and you need to fix them. Is that what the Christian life is all about? No, that's a horrible Hallmark story. No one would ever watch that. That's like the History Channel, okay? Okay. All right, don't watch the History Channel, watch the Hallmark Channel. Because for us, look at this, look at us, finding ourselves in Ruth's story. There was a point at which you did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. He was, you knew his name, but the person of the Lord Jesus Christ was a stranger to you. And then what happened? Naomi came over. She's like, hey, come to church with me, Phyllis says. Right? Nick's like, hey, listen, come and see. Naomi hands you a track. Okay. She's like, come and see. And you were introduced to the God of the Bible. Maybe you saw something in the people of God. You something you wanted there, but but someone was a Naomi to you, and you got saved. That's the first step in your story? Have you gotten saved yet? If you are saved, then you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. There is no other name under heaven which we might be saved. Now, after salvation, we are created unto good works. And we're supposed to serve the Lord. It is through serving the Lord that we kind of get to know him. We get acquainted with him in the field. What does that look like? Well, I'll tell you. I'll brag on Christine. We just had a pastor's retreat this week, and it took a lot of logistics and coordination. I was so tired by the time I got back home last night. Christine's like, well, how did it go, and what did it do, and what did they think of this, and what about that? And like, she had like a million questions. You know why? Because she was involved in setting all that up, and she wanted to know how it went because she was bought in. When you buy into the ministry and you start thinking outwardly, I really want Dempsey to to feel good. I I need to make sure he's okay. I'm going to focus on your well being as I serve the body with the gift that he's given me, and I start thinking like Christ because I'm thinking about others. I'm focused on that, and I I'm praying. Christine, did you pray for plant plane tickets yesterday? Yeah. Who else played prayed for plane? Like no one else. Why? Well, because but. You prayed to who? To the God of the Bible for someone else's well-being. Like we get to know the Lord because we get a heart for others. We get fellowship in the ministry. And then at some point, you guys, listen, some point you realize there's a battle of wills going on. It's your will, and there's God's will, okay? Your will. Hey, how's that working out for you? Are you ready yet to just surrender to God's will? At some point, we all realize that's going on, and then we get to know him as Lord. Second Peter chapter 1 says grace and peace are multiplied when we know him as Lord. Just one area of your life after another, you're like, okay, Lord, yes, Lord. You get grace and peace in your life through that. <clears throat> we need to cease from our own works Cease trying to establish righteousness from ourselves. We talked about that. What happens then is we realize, because what happens? You say, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And he's like, that's great, except you can't actually do what I've called you to do. Are we called to save souls? Yes. Can you save a soul? No. You can plant a seed. You can't make it grow. Only God. And so at some point, we have to stop in our flesh trying to do what only can be done. And we get to know him as provider. And then finally, here's the deal. At some point, your faith in Christ, Christianity for you is no longer, I have to do service. Okay? I have to surrender my will. Eventually, it starts to look like I get to abide Christ. As I walk through my day, I have a companion. I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. Ephesians 1, Ephesians chapter 3. And now this life I live, I'm living in communion with my companion. The Holy Spirit indwells me. Christ dwells in my heart by faith. faith, And I'm walking with the Lord. And I don't need anything else. Because I have my companion. So here's the thing. Finding yourself in the story of Ruth. We fall into the trap of religion so easily, and we're we're not. We get the story wrong. We don't know him. So, so here's my question for, you, okay, if you were to put yourself in Ruth's story. We saw how Ruth got to know Boaz. How he went from being a stranger to an acquaintance, to a provider, a redeemer, and finally a husband. Okay, how about you? If we didn't just talk about, are you in discipleship one, discipleship two, Bible Institute, leadership training? Like instead, like just forget about that for a second. Just the story of you and the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know Him as Savior? I hope so. Do you know Him because you've ministered and served other people, and you understand His heart? You've walked with Him in terms of service. Have you surrendered your will to Him? And you're willing to do whatever it is he leads you to do. God, I'm getting ready to open my Bible. God, I'm getting ready to close my eyes and pray. But Father, have your way. I present my body a living sacrifice. And whatever you show me, I'll do it. I'll trust you with my life. Have you stopped trying to establish righteousness through self? Trust in him as provider. And then finally, do you have a deep, abiding, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Or have we made this story about something else? This is where we get fruitfulness is by walking in the spirit, by abiding in Christ. So I, I'm not asking for you to like raise your hands, but I'll tell you what, let's spend some time in small groups. Let's just place yourself, where, where am I? Okay. Like, if we make this story Ruth's story and we put ourselves in there, you're like, well, it's but I'm not surrendered. Okay, well, then turn the page in your book. I guess I'm mixing metaphors, but. Like, let's go to the next chapter. What what do you need to do? If I'm right here and I've surrendered to the Lord, but I just I don't know how to make sure it's Christ in me and not me. Well, then that's that's where I'm at. How do I take that next step? So let's break up into small groups. See if you can place yourself in the story. Make sure you got the right theme in your story. If, uh, if you need to, make sure you present the gospel in your small groups. And then I'll close us out here in about 15 minutes.